Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. This is the Arash Markazi Show on the Mightier 1090 ESPN Radio. Good afternoon on a beautiful Thursday and welcome to the Arash Markazi Show on the Mightier 1090 ESPN Radio in Southern California and 98.5 The Fan in Las Vegas. I'm joined as always by producers G. Hay Wiley and Armani Buckets. How are we doing on this beautiful Thursday? You know, it is a beautiful Thursday because Thursday is so much closer to Friday. So I am ecstatic. I'm excited. Weekend's almost here. Can't wait. I agree with you, Jihei. I cannot wait for this weekend. And I am excited that I am not the Lakers coach, Frank Vogel, (laughs) because every game, are we going to do this after every loss now where a report has to come out that his job is safe or that he's maybe a little bit more on the hot seat than he was yesterday? I don't know what's going to happen going forward. You know, here's the interesting thing. Not only are we perhaps in a position where we're not having to worry about, or at least talk about Frank Vogel's job post game, we are now going to track whether or not he gets on a plane because the latest word as we come on the air here on a Thursday afternoon is that Frank Vogel is on the Lakers uh, charter plane to Orlando. They play the Magic tomorrow night. So he's made this the uh, trip, at least the beginning of the trip. The Lakers embarking on a six game road trip but we do have to begin with how last night unfolded it was a bad loss and we had said prior uh to this game that if frank vogel suffers one more bad loss and what's a bad loss a, a bad loss is a team to a to a sub 500 team they lost to a pacers team that just won their fourth road game of the season not only are they a bad team they're a bad road team and they come into los angeles and beat the lakers and they beat them late i mean here's how a lot of those losses come down the lakers have a lead they're controlling the game and a good team finds a way to close out quarters and close out a game they did neither they finished the game so poorly that Russell Westbrook actually got benched for the final four minutes of that game, and that was the biggest takeaway, that maybe, just maybe, when Frank Vogel sat down with Rob Palenka, and I don't know whether he was given an ultimatum or whatnot or, or, or effectively told officially that you are on the hot seat, maybe Palenka said something to the effect of, all right, if I go down, can I go down coaching this team the way that I want to coach them? Because this is the first time all season. I'm sure he's wanted to do it before. He benched Russell Westbrook, and Russell Westbrook did not t- talk to the media post game. I know that they lost. I know that they're below 500 now, but my assumption is he didn't talk to the media because he didn't want to like answer questions about being benched because when you're Russell Westbrook, when you're one of the top players in the league, when you're a first ballot Hall of Famer, and you've done all the things that he's done, it's embarrassing to get benched in the, in, in the, in the manner in which he was. And now... That's the other drama that we have to focus. It's not just Frank Vogel. What is Russell Westbrook's future with this team? The only silver lining that I can think of with the Westbrook situation is the fact that Carmelo Anthony has been in a similar spot earlier in his career in Oklahoma City when he was kind of refusing to move to the bench role. And then eventually, well, for Carmelo, it took a few years for him to adjust. (laughs) But eventually he adjusted. And Carmelo can talk to Westbrook Carmelo said in the in the media session after the game that you know he's been there before he understands what Russ is going through and I think that if you want to look at any area of a silver lining with the Westbrook situation it's that he has someone that can relate to this 
aspect and this time in his career. With that being said, it's about time. And now that you did it, if you're Frank Vogel, you can't go back and go the other way unless Westbrook is having an incredible game. Because the thing is that we see what this team is when he is on and off the court. As much as I want to root for Russell Westbrook to succeed, it does look like this team has a little bit more continuity and commitment to both ends of the floor when he's not on the court. Yeah. I love the optimism. Both Arani, <laughs> Buckets, and Arash, you guys have – you are the most positive people that I know because <laughs> when it comes to this man, when it comes to this man called Russell Westbrook, I don't care if he has Carmelo in his back corner. He's had LeBron James – you know, fending for him this whole entire season. He's he's a whiner. He's a complainer. We've known this from the get-go. He is somebody that needs to be, as my mom would say, the star. He needs to be somebody that needs to be at the forefront. He needs to be, you know, a, a starter. He needs to have those minutes. He needs to have those touches. And that's why I initially said at the very beginning of this season, he's not going to fit with this Lakers team because he needs to be the center of attention. And I think that's another reason why he probably didn't talk to the media as well uh, post game. So it, this is just Russell being Russell. This Y'all wanted Russell being Russell? This is Russell being Russell. If, if the Lakers organization was like, you know, we're going to let him do him. Here you go. This is what you got. So it's it's just going to be an on, this is going to be an ongoing battle. This is going to be something that you're you're just going to see from time to time again with him. Uh, enjoy. And I, I, I don't know what else to say about that. I am not enjoying this, by the way. <laughs> no, it's kidding. I mean, th- th- this is not fun to watch. You kind of know how these games are going to play out. I mean, I- I'm watching that game late in the fourth quarter. And listen, it's a one-possession game. But in those situations with the Lakers this season, I just have no confidence that it's going to play out for them and that they're going to find a way to win. I mean, the only drama, the only intrigue was that Russell Westbrook was not on the court. And so I knew that that was going to be a topic of discussion post game. LeBron addressed it briefly, didn't really want to go in depth about it, didn't want to go in depth about for Frank Vogel's job status. Uh, but again, for Frank Vogel, on the team plane, on the way to Orlando right now, tomorrow night, the Lakers embark on this six-game road trip. That which we, Listen, we've talked about it all year. We're, we're past the halfway point, but this will define the season. This will define the season in more ways than one uh, because you know Frank Vogel cannot go worse than 500 i don't think and survive this road trip on a scale of one to ten how shocked would you guys be if it was an zero and six road trip i mean shock I, listen i can't say shock because this team is not good they're a below 500 team. but yeah listen i mean th- you're essentially saying at that point that they're going to lose at the beginning of this road trip tomorrow night to the orlando magic i think that they lose to the heat would not be shocked if they lost to the brooklyn nets would not be shocked if they lost to the Sixers. But, and I think it's like a 50-50 chance when you talk about going to, up against Charlotte and the Hawks. So um, I would be shocked in the sense that I think that they at least win one of those games, and I do think that they win t- tomorrow night. But that's what I said about last night's game. You know the significance. You know the stakes. You know where you're at at this point in the season. If you care about Frank Vogel, the man, and his job, uh, you're, you're going to play hard. And the fact of the matter is that they're not right now. And so when you lose to a sub-500 Pacers team, uh, again, they, they just won their fourth road game of the season. This is not a good team. And I don't care that this is a big game for the Pacers. It should be a big game for the Lakers. I mean, come on now. I mean, if, if you have some pride 
if you began the season because you wanted to win a championship, and again, all those guys who came here um, should have some pride in, in terms of they came here with one goal in mind, and that was to win a championship. And again, you can't make it to the NBA Finals and to a championship unless you make the playoffs. And so, you know, long-term goal, what are you doing if you don't take some pride against the Pacers? So I, I'm really tired of hearing that, listen, th- this is a big game for the Orlando Magic tomorrow night. This is like, okay, well, you know what? It's a big game for the Lakers too. It's a big game for the Lakers too. And if you have some pride in this team, um, and listen, if this is the end of the road for DeAndre Jordan, Dwight Howard, Trevor Ariza, well, have some pride in the great career that you had and uh, and try to put together a season. Again, we are past the midway point. There's not that many games left. Try to put together a, a respectable run here and figure out what you could do. Because, again, people want to knock that Dwight Howard, Steve Nash team, and that team was a disaster. That team finished out the season strong. That team was like, hey, listen, we're going to make the playoffs. We're, we're, we are not going to miss the playoffs. And unfortunately, it cost Kobe his career effectively when he got hurt. But um, I'm really tired of hearing that, that you know, they play down to the level of the competition or this game's important for these sub-500 teams. Well, you know what? We're at the point in the season where the Lakers are also a sub-500 team, and these games should matter to them too. It was surprising to me because Indiana, not only, like you mentioned, Arash, fourth road win of the season, they're they're the least clutch team in the NBA. They do not do well in those situations. And not only did you have a 15-point first-half lead, you were in a back-and-forth, neck-and-neck game in the fourth quarter. And then, you know, to top it all off, then – it just comes out right after that you're going to kind of scapegoat Westbrook. And maybe the bar is so low with Russ that, you know, he hit four three-pointers. I didn't think he was as bad as he's been earlier in this season. This team's issues is with consistency on the defensive end of the court. They lose focus. They don't get back on defense all the time. They don't compete all the time. When they do, and again, Jihei just called us very positive people. We appreciate you for saying that. (laughs) When they do, I'm like, this team is not bad, but it's just so few and far between. It's like sometimes they lock up. The first half, there were some defensive possessions where I was like, oh, they are turning a corner. This is what... This is what we saw against Utah, and it's happening again, especially guys like Austin Reeves, Avery Bradley. THT had 20 points and seven assists last night, and he hit a couple of tough shots. And then you have guys like Stanley Johnson stepping in. There is a little (laughs) – I'm just thinking about Jihei saying how optimistic we are. There is a little bit of optimism still, but – It's just the consistency is so infuriating, and I can't imagine what it's like to be on that coaching staff and seeing it in glimpses and then just having it disappear. I don't know what I would do if I was Vogel. Yeah. I mean, here's the it comes down to defense as well. Karis Levert outscored the Lakers team for much of that fourth quarter. The, The way that it closed out, he scored 22 in the fourth quarter, franchise high. The Lakers scored 24. You, you got a chance to win a game like that. And the Lakers were winning um, 85-84. And then the next thing you know, they're down. I mean, I mean, so the problem is defensively, they're not closing out. They're not playing together. And it's just frustrating to watch because this was a team that two years ago was so especially tight. 
And we just talked about it. You know, normally a team that goes on the road, like it's it's a chance to get to hang out together, go out to team functions together. I mean, I, I can't imagine, and I don't know this to be true, how tight this group is. And, you know, generally speaking, of, of teams that, that are below 500, teams that are struggling, they, they, they aren't close. And so, you know, this is going to be a defining road trip for this team. Certainly if Frank Vogel d- doesn't survive it, that's a big change. Going into the big uh, trade deadline, I know the Lakers want to make a couple of moves, and that goes without saying. Now, what they can do, I don't know. I think they may be in a situation where they're going to have to part with a player that they really like in Taylor Horton Tucker just to to make a move. I mean, they have to put a package together that will allow them to make some kind of a move here and change things up. Now, we, we've talked about the Lakers lacking trade assets. I'm curious, do you guys think that under 500, they're always this team, especially recently, that's very involved in that buyout market when, yeah. when guys become available. Do you think that guys on the buyout market are going to choose to come to L.A. this season with them being in the situation that they're in? Here's the thing. It's L.A. Every yeah. single ball player loves LA. Whether we're winning, whether we're losing, there's still going to be some kind of push pull. There's going to be some player that's like, "Yeah, sure, I'm down." Like, I, or some organization that's going to be like, you, "You know what? We'll take your young guns. We'll take you know your your trade bait." So there's always going to be something. I think that is going to entice another team to trade with the Lakers. I, I don't think that that's ever going to go away. Yeah, I mean, I think if you got bought out, generally speaking, if you're a player who got bought out, you want to go to a championship contending team. You want to go to a championship team. If that is not available, you know, listen, there's the allure of playing with the Lakers, going to Los Angeles, going to Hollywood, playing with LeBron James. And I think there are some players out there who think that they could be the missing piece. So, yeah, by the way, like Staley Johnson, what he's done for his career and, and, and what he's meant to this team, I think there could be a player out there. I, I don't know who some of the rumor targets are for the, the buyout market. To your point, it's usually players on teams that are eliminated below 500 who want a chance to win. They're in a contract year, things things like that. Um I don't think they're going to be at the front of the list. Again, you want to kind of hop on a championship train. The West is so bad, and the Lakers have a have shown that, listen, if you can help us win, you could be a starter tomorrow. I think they would be an intriguing landing spot for some guys. But, I mean, I, I don't know who are some of the guys out there who could change things up for them. Um, you know, that's that's the problem. There's, there's no one big out there that I'm seeing in terms of that might be available in a trade or the buyout that I'm thinking, okay, that's the guy who's going to change the course of the season. I really don't think that that guy exists for the Lakers, but you know, a guy that they saw last night, a guy like Torrey Craig, I think he's a guy that is a realistic target. The Pacers are 13 games under 500, so they're not really in playoff contention. I would assume that they would want to go young. And again, we have to be realistic about the Lakers and how that how they can improve this roster. A guy like that has been on multiple contending teams. He knows what it takes to be in a winning environment. He knows how to contribute, plays his role. I think that that's what we're looking at when we look at what the – and he's a defensive player. So we're looking at guys like that. It's not going to be – maybe, you know, maybe – 
they will find a way to get a Miles Turner, a yeah. Jeremy Grant, guys that they've been rumored at. But, you know, realistically, it's the role guys that need to improve and that they need to, you know, they need to bolster that supporting cast because LeBron has been great. And I'm assuming, and maybe it's wrong to assume this, but I'm assuming Davis will be good when he comes back. Yeah. I don't think he's going, going to go out this, this way this season. So with that being said, a couple more role guys here and there, and maybe things can turn around. But the roster definitely needs adjustment. Yeah, there's no doubt that they're going to have to make a couple of moves. Now, you know, to what extent, how drastic it, it can be. And so when you don't, when you can't make big drastic moves, you got to do what Frank Vogel did last night and bench Russell Westbrook at the end of that game. Do we see at some point during this road trip, for example, does, does he have a conversation with Russ and say, hey, listen, for right now, I need you to come off the bench. I need you to lead that second unit. Again, that's not something he wants to do. But when you're a coach f- fighting for your job, when you're a, a team that began the season with championship hopes and expectations, you have to just try a little bit of everything. And when when we talk about that LeBron James playing the five and you talk about like Austin Reeves st- 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 starting and Stanley Johnson, play, you know, like you have to throw what you can out there. And and if Russ is not going to be a part of that, I mean, the problem is he's just making too much for them to do anything. Um, they can't trade him. They're not going to cut him, obviously. But it's, it's, it's just so clear that this was a bad fit. And the, and the mistake that I made was thinking, hey, listen, he's going to check his ego at the door. The only thing that Russell Westbrook has not done in his career is win a championship. He's played in one NBA Finals. He lost. Uh, but he wants to have some postseason success. And, and, and if that's the case, he he needs to adjust to this role quicker than Carmelo did. And again, he's not at the same place in his career that Carmelo was. But I mean, the fact of the matter is um, he's got to figure out a way for him to contribute and help this team. Because right now, he's not helping the team. And so what... In what way can you help the team? Well, let's see how you do with this second unit. And we talked about this. I mean, it, like, if that's what it's going to take for this team to be as successful as they possibly can be, he has to be okay with that. Uh, the other kind of late game, um, <laughs> it came down to the end, Denver Nuggets Clippers last night. Uh, that was an amazing game. Uh, another one where the Clippers had a chance to get a big uh, road win. You know the problem for them is now 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 the Clippers are below five hundred, the Lakers are below five hundred. But as far as the Clippers, and by the way, I saw, I saw po- both of these guys at the uh, Rams game on Monday, Paul George and Kawhi. I think at this point you got to shut them down. I think I think with 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 Paul George, it's you know you know have him again. The focus for them, and again, they will begin the next season as one of the championship favorites. But in terms of trying to rush Paul George back or Kawhi back, I, I, my, my guess is at this point, shut those guys down and focus on the next season. Yeah, there is no need to bring those two guys back, especially the way the season that the Clippers are having. I mean, they're, I don't want to say this because, again, you guys are the optimistic ones. I'm the pessimist. (laughs) Like, I just don't see the, uh, the Clippers are taking kind of a page out of the Lakers book and just not doing well this season. I don't think they're going to do well this season. So I, I think what's the point? 
and bringing those two guys back. Um, you know, fi- figure your game out this this season. Uh, try to make some adjustments for next year and move on from there. Uh, great game, great you know, great attempt and great showing, especially against a, a Denver Nuggets team. But yeah, it's it's time to move forward. Yeah, I mean, uh, but, but by the way, I, I, if you had told me at the beginning of this year that Kawhi would be out for the entire year, which I definitely thought was a, a possibility, you know, I, I, you know, and now the Clippers, again, the Grammy road trip, this is the thing, the Grammys are not going to be in Los Angeles, but that doesn't change the schedule. The, the Clippers are on the Grammy road trip. The Lakers are now on the Grammy road trip. So um, we'll see how that plays out, how the Lakers do on their way back home, Clippers, and now the Kings, the hockey team, are also on their Grammy road trip as well. All right, let's leave it there for now. When we come back, we will be joined by Nick Hamilton, talk a little bit about the Lakers, the Rams, and so much more. When we come back right here on the Mightier 1090 ESPN Radio in Southern California and The Fan in Las Vegas. We'll be right back with the Arash Markazi Show on the Mightier 1090 ESPN Radio. This is the Arash Markazi Show on the Mightier 1090 ESPN Radio. Welcome back to the Arash Markazi Show on the Mightier 1090 ESPN Radio in Southern California and 98.5 The Fan in Las Vegas. We are now joined by a friend of the program as we are every Thursday, Nick Hamilton. Nick, how are you? Doing good, man. Doing much better than Frank Vogel these days. Nick, I was thinking about you last night because I was wondering if this morning if Frank Vogel's key card was going to work because that was a bad loss. And we had kind of said, if he has one more bad loss, will Frank Vogel be back as the head coach of this team? I and mean, when you lose to a sub-500 team, one of the worst teams in the league, Nick, that, that was their fourth road win all year long. And uh, you're not going to get much worse than that. We're going to talk about your favorite players shortly. But Frank Vogel's situation, I mean, Nick, I mean, to have your coach be in a situation very publicly where he's coaching for his job on a game-by-game basis, I I don't know how that works. I I don't know how he's going to survive this upcoming six-game road trip. Your thoughts on the situation of Frank Vogel essentially coaching for his job right now? Well, according to Bill Orham of The Athletic, uh, Frank Vogel is on the airplane for the road trip this morning, at least. Okay. Um, but at, at, at the same time, when you're looking at Frank Vogel, and obviously, as we said before, somebody's going to fall on the sword if this thing collapses and is absolutely going to be Frank Vogel. I don't know how he survives a six-game road trip. I mean, they go to Orlando. That should be a winnable game for them. But then after that, they have a tough stretch between Brooklyn, Philly, Charlotte, and Atlanta, which all games they can lose uh, – you know, on that road trip, which doesn't mean that, you know, which means rather that, you know, Frank Vogel could be Lane Kiffin uh, by the end of this road trip. So um, there's no guarantees, but you also have to look at how this roster was constructed. I mean, the roster was not constructed for Frank Vogel to be productive in the offense and the sets that he likes to run um, as we've seen in years prior. So I think there's a lot to do with not just Frank Vogel, but even if you do get rid of Frank Vogel, What's the what's the next voice? David Fisdale. We saw how that's been working out when Frank Vogel, unfortunately, was struck, you know, stricken with COVID. Uh, so, like I said, I don't think the, the, the bigger problem is not just who's racing the sidelines, but who's playing on the 94 feet. 
100%. I mean, so, I mean, that's the unique thing about this health and safety protocols, COVID. We've seen this team for a week with David Fisdale as the head coach. They're just as bad. They, that wasn't like lightning in a bottle when David Fisdale was the head coach of this team. All right. Now, the unique thing about the way that they lost last night is that perhaps Frank Vogel during his conversation with Rob Palenka said, hey, can I at least coach this team the way that, that I want to coach on my way out? Like, if I'm going to fall on the sword, that's fine. But, like, I'm going to do me. He benched Russell Westbrook for the final four minutes of that game. And he essentially said, listen, I played the guys who I thought was gonna were going to help us win. Um, defensively, he gave them zero. Um, offensively, again, he does his things, but he's a turnover machine. Where does this now leave the Lakers with Russell Westbrook? Will they now talk to him about perhaps maybe trying to come off the bench? I mean, again, he didn't talk to the media. My perception is he didn't talk to the media because he got benched. I mean, it's not because they lost. Your thoughts on where they stand with him? Well, I think when you look at Russell Westbrook, I mean, he didn't finish <laughs> at the rim last night. He was he was struggling from the floor. And those are the kind of situations. And I'm glad Frank Vogel took a stand. Finally, he yeah. finally had a, you know, he stood up straight in his chair and said, look, I went with the guys, like you said, that, that were going to win, whether it was THT, uh, you know, Malik Monk and the rest of those guys. So when you look at Russell Westbrook, I don't think, I don't know how you ask somebody of his caliber to come off the bench. Um, this is not a Carmelo Anthony situation uh, because, uh, because Westbrook is out of touch with reality. Yeah. He's, he does, he has no sense of responsibility for his turnovers. He doesn't care because he's made that evident verbally. Um, he pouted and walked off and didn't want to talk to the media uh, on, on on last night, which, you know, I found kind of immature because it's like, look, man, you, you, if you, if you did it, you need to face the music. Right. Um, and we've seen this time and time again from, from Russell. So this is nothing new, but I, the, the Lakers are pretty much stuck. Yeah. You know, like gum to a shoe. They're stuck. Um, they, there's no trade value for him per se because teams teams know how much if they bring him on board, he's going to alter their offense and alter their schemes because of the way that he plays. And it was a mistake from day one. And I'll keep saying it until this guy's up out the paint. It was a mistake from day one to bring in Russell Westbrook instead of going after Buddy Hill and going after DeMar DeRozan. And you and in the elder statesman that LeBron James is and Anthony Davis in, in, in the health, you know, the health stricken areas that he's been a part of as far as injuries are concerned. You're going to have to surround this team with better shooters. Um, I like the Malik Monk deal. Kendrick Nunn has been an absolute bust and a disappointment. THT has not lived up to the potential that we've seen him live up to in times prior. Um, they, the only the only saving grace is Austin Reeves who's actually been a bright spot and an unsigned, basically uh, what the source used to call unsigned hype. I mean, he's basically been that type of spark for the Lakers. But other than that, I mean, you brought in an aging DeAndre Jordan. You brought in a, a, a Carmelo Anthony, who's now struggling. You brought in an, a, a senior citizen in Trevor Ariza, who can barely get up and down the floor. And that's no disrespect to Trevor, because I think Trevor's an incredible player, but I think he's past his prime, much like a lot of those guys on that team are past their primes. And I think when you're trying to compete against the Memphises of the world, against the other younger teams, the Golden States and teams like that, you're going to have issues, especially because who, who's going to defend a Steph Curry, a Klay Thompson, an Andrew Wiggins? Who's going to defend a Ja Moran? As we see, Ja has no fear in his heart at all. Mamba mentality, 110%. When you go up against 
you know, uh, uh, yeah, you, you beat the Utah Jazz, which was a quality win, but you fell to the Indiana Pacers. Yeah, is it is it fair, Nick, to say now that Lakers are done? Let's let's move on to next season. Like, let's just if they get a playoff spot, that, that that's great, that's gravy. But like, let's move on to next season. Let's try to build for next year. Is it safe to say that? I'm not ready to stick the fork too deep yet. I think they are a play a play in tournament team still because you never know what's going to happen down the stretch in the Western Conference. Some key players could get injured for some key teams, and they could slip. Uh, going on, you know, critical losing streaks as we've seen, you know, last season what happened uh, with certain teams. So you never, you can never say never um, because we haven't even hit the All Star break yet. So you, you can never say never. But it's it the, 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 as as each loss continues to rear its ugly head, you're getting closer and closer to sticking that fork deeper and deeper. And that fat lady is warming up and she's getting her vocal vocal cords ready to <laughs> sing that final farewell song. Nick, what I mean, I was, I guess, maybe cautiously optimistic. It's Russell Westbrook. He's from Los Angeles, went to high school gear, went to UCLA, homecoming for him. Why, again, the way that you thought this would play out, it has is probably even worse than perhaps you thought. Why did this not work? And why do you think LeBron James, who's such a student of the game, wanted him so badly? I mean, this was a guy from all the reports that we're hearing. This was who he wanted. Because you saw that model on IG. You thought she was hot to try. You <laughs> thought she looked good. And you thought she was she was the best thing since sliced bread. And then when you finally got a chance to slide in their DMs and you guys finally hooked up and finally got together, you saw every flaw known to man. And it was repulsive and it's a turnoff. But now you stuck with her because now you got about you about to have a baby with her. So now you stuck for the next 18 years, 18 years and find out. <laughs> So you pretty much that's what happened with Russell Westbrook. You, you thought he was glistening and gold from afar, but then when you finally got a chance to get up and close, up close and personal with him, you found out it wasn't everything that glitters. And that's the same thing with, with the situation. So like I said, they're stuck. And I got to imagine what the conversations are like with LeBron and Rich Paul and Randy Mim and Maverick Carter and just anybody in LeBron's camp, like you see, if you notice, LeBron has drank more and more wine throughout <laughs> right. the season. Now we know why he's 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 getting a couple more bottles in than his average of the season yeah. uh, because of this. Because he got to find a way to calm his nerves. I mean, even last night he said, "Look, y'all, I got to go to a movie with my wife. It's damn near midnight. <laughs> this is keeping LeBron up at night. This man has to go home and stream a movie in his state of the art sound theater." probably in his house that he's going to stream with him and his lovely wife. And now he got to, he got to relax his nerves at 12 o'clock at night. Cause Russell ain't stressed him out. But it's, <laughs> it's his own fault. It's LeBron's own fault along with, with Rob Palenka and upper management. Uh, Nick, the best win of the season for the Lakers came on Monday night. We weren't there. We were at SoFi stadium to watch the Rams beat the Cardinals. What an impressive win. I think if you had talked to us both about who we thought we would, would win, we picked the Rams, but the Rams close again. I mean, the Cardinals came to SoFi, beat them pretty good. Um, the Rams went to uh, um, Arizona and won that game. You know, third game of a divisional rivalry you think is going to be a close game. But, Nick, 28 to nothing in the third quarter. The Rams run away. Two-part question. A, your thoughts on the way that they played, but also an amazing turnout. I know the Rams fans took a lot of heat for San Francisco taking over so far. Uh, that was a the most pro-Rams crowd I've heard this entire year. 
Well, let me say this. We finally got a chance to watch, to watch another L.A. team actually win. Yeah. I'm not named the Los Angeles Kings. The L.A. Rams are actually winning games. Um, and it was it was a great atmosphere. I think that it was probably the loudest we've heard Rams fans. But the Rams fans have been loud several times throughout the year at various games. Uh, but by far being the first playoff game that fans could attend at SoFi Stadium, I think this was the, the a great inaugural uh, fan fanfare for the Rams fans and for the Rams period, because when we spoke with them on Monday at post game, they really fed off the energy of the crowd and they gave the crowd something to cheer for because they looked as they looked absolutely incredible in all three phases, special teams, defense, offense. Probably the last time I saw a complete game like this, honestly, it was probably week three when they played the Tampa Bay yeah. Bucks and so far. Um, and they're going to have to continue that, that same streak, but they, they trapped Kyler Murray. They made Kyler Murray a one trick pony. Yeah. Um, they, they allowed him to not get open, to not run, to find lanes to run. They shut him down and they set the tone, the defense set the tone early and often. And that's what you had to see. Plus Matthew Stafford, who was only sacked one time for a seven yard loss, um, end up having six, six, you know, six, uh, carries for 22 yards in addition to throwing the ball effectively. Um, and this is the first time I actually saw Matthew Stafford be able to throw the ball away and not play hero ball. I'm like, well, maybe that monkey that was on his back career-wise by not getting a playoff win finally hit him in his head and was like, you know, I got to get a playoff win. I'm tired of people talking about me. Now, he said he didn't care, and it's more for us in the media, but I have to think in the back of his mind, he has to think about that like, damn, I'm oh, I'm a donut in three. I got the Krispy Kreme award. <laughs> and now I finally have gotten that off. I got that glaze off my shoulder. So now I can focus on trying to get this team a win moving forward and hopefully get to Super Bowl 56 and so far. Well, Nick, you brought up the defense for the Los Angeles Rams. And um, Arash thinks I'm nuts. He thinks I'm, I'm going out on a limb here. But I... I really truly believe that if the defense plays the way that they played against Arizona and they could shut down uh, Tampa Bay the way they shut down Arizona, I, we could be looking at another you know, repeat of a semi-blowout um, like we kind of sort of did last game. So what what are your thoughts on that, like on that defense and um, a possible huge, huge victory uh, against Tampa Bay? Whoa, not so fast, my friend. <laughs> Ease up. Slow your roll like your leg was broken. Hold on. Hold on. I know we hyped off the Arizona win, but this is Tom Brady. This ain't Kyler Murray. This is the GOAT. This is a man who is who we don't we we've tried to doubt time and time again in the playoffs, and he's proven us wrong more times than not. And so when you look at this, this Tampa Bay offense, yeah, they probably call Tampa Bay at the right time if you're the defense because they are kind of depleted at wide receiver. They don't have Chris Godwin, who they face. Early in the year, when they were at, they were the stellar one-two combination between him and Mike Evans. Uh, the, Antonio Brown clowned his way out of town, and all you have left with is Gronk, who's always going to be a threat. But Leonard Fournette uh, is coming back; he's going to probably be back on Sunday. So, you, but the question has always been with that Rams defense, their run defense. How effective can they be with the run defense? And also, another question mark is the secondary, because now that you don't have Jordan Fuller out for the year. In the interior defense, you lost Ernest Jones. 
So guys like Jalen Ramsey, Darius Williams are going to have to step up and other guys that they signed off the practice squad are going to have to step up in a major way and be able to roll with the punches and try to figure Brady out, at least frustrate him enough. I'm not going to say it's going to be a blowout, but I will say you could contain him. You can't shut him down, but you can contain him to a degree where you start to frustrate him when you knock him on his keister or you sit up there and sack him as many times as you can. If Von Miller can get off, Leonard Floyd, Ashawn Robinson, AD 99, if any of those guys can get to Tom Brady and sack him or at least knock him on the ground enough times, that frustrates Brady where he's not as accurate as he can. And also, even though I know it's the playoffs, you still have film that you can watch from week three and say, okay, what do we do right against Brady and this offensive line? Because you know Byron Leftwich is going to come up with various schemes. You got quarterback and quarterback. You got two quarterbacks that you're facing if you're the Los Angeles Rams defense. Byron Leftwich and the GOAT named Tom Brady. So you got two against one. It's a handicap match, basically. <laughs> so you're going to have to be aware. And then you also, too, Eric Weddle, even though he hasn't played a game in probably 780, 790 days, he was out there signal calling. So you got a veteran guy that can direct traffic, that can speak a various language that Jalen Ramsey and other guys can pick up in that secondary where he can at least direct traffic and get those guys ready. And uh, I think if they're able to do that and help come now, I will agree with you, G.A., if they come with that same intensity that they came with setting the tone early and often like they did in Arizona, I think it's going to be a very tough and long day for one Thomas Brady. Now, Nick, explain this to me because I got into it on uh, Twitter with some fans. Because I, I, I said, "Listen, of course you did." Listen, of course. Right? I said, "Listen, the Rams are really starting to make some noise in terms of being Los Angeles's favorite team again. Five consecutive years with a winning season. They went to the Super Bowl. This is their fourth year in five years where they've gone to the playoffs. That they won a game in the divisional round. Again, they're in the community. They're making noise." And every time I say that, I get pushback from the Raiders fans. And I listen, I remember when they were here. It was a long time ago. But just explain to me where Los Angeles is at with the two teams here. And why is it that Raider fans just refuse to – and I'm not saying that they don't have a fan base here. They certainly do. I I don't think it's as strong because I remember those games at the Coliseum and no nobody was there. I mean, you think the crowd's bad at the Coliseum now? I mean, you're talking about forty thousand at the Coliseum for uh, games. But okay, just I guess for 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 me and like other people out there, like where is Los Angeles at with their with their affinity for their teams? And talk to me about the Raiders, which again people still want to call them the most p popular team here. Well, I will say this much, and I said I, I had a rant on my Instagram at Nick Hamilton LA if y'all want to go check it out. There we go. And I pretty much spoke about this same topic. I didn't type it out because I don't feel like typing that much. Uh, but I did say, listen, yeah, the Raider fan base is solid. It's not as strong as it once was because Raider fans are where they are. Oakland, obviously, in the Bay Area, but then they lost some fans by moving to Las Vegas. Um, obviously, they have a they have a very deep fan base, but the Raider fan, the Raider logo the raider fan base they travel well yeah. um no question however in the with los angeles people have to remember there's a 21 year gap of no football in los angeles so there's a whole generation and possibly a generation and a half that didn't know what it was like to have football in los angeles whether you went to anaheim stadium or whether you went to the los angeles coliseum so after post 1995 other people adopted teams the niners the cowboys the steelers 
when Tom Brady started winning championships in New England, people became Patriot fans. Yeah. Um, you had Green Bay Packer fans. So there are a lot of different fan bases. And then you had transplants that moved to Los Angeles for various reasons. So there was there was a lot of work cut out for the Los Angeles Rams when they returned to St. Louis, because let's, let's be frank. In 2016, they stuck up the joint with Mr. Fitty Fitty, known as Jeff Fisher. <laughs> yeah. So until they got a real coach like Sean McVay in 2017, they were able to turn the culture, not just in the locker room and on the field, but in the community with Molly Higgins and the Community Affairs Division, the remarkable job they've done in the last five years, having a thumb on the culture of Los Angeles in various communities. And they continue that great work. And it's going to take time. Like I told people that with the 49er fans, listen, it may, it may take another five to seven, eight years before we see a, a truly a 50-50 fan base when the 49ers come to town. And if you're able to get a true 50-50 fan base by that time, you're winning because that's probably the best that you're going to get. But outside of that, let's not negate the fact of how Rams fans have shown up throughout the season, whether it was 75-25, whether it was 85-15 or 90-10. I mean, there were dominance of Rams fans throughout the entire season, even when the Super Bowl champs came to town. There weren't that many Bucks fans. They had a lot of Brady jerseys out yeah. there, but there weren't that many Bucks fans out there. There were a hell of a lot of Rams fans, and I'm no Rams apologist, and I'm not a fan of any team. But damn it, I'm going to tell the truth and I'm going to say it like it is and not like it was. And so that's just the truth of the matter. So Raider fans got to face fact. Your team, Al Davis wanted to move the team for various reasons. Deal with it. Yes, you have a presence in Los Angeles, but the Rams are creeping on a come up. So you got to acknowledge and keep it 1,000 when it comes to your fan bases. Now, if you want to talk about Charger fan bases, then that's a whole different topic. Raider fans have a, a solid argument with that. But when it comes to the Rams fans, I mean, they're, they're again, they're, they're continuing to excel and they're going to continue to excel as long as the Rams continue to win and get closer and closer to the Super Bowl if they don't happen to make the Super Bowl. Yeah, no, I mean, there's no doubt about that. And that's the only thing that I will contend is that the Rams are not only in Los Angeles, they are in the community, they're in the city and they're winning and they're bringing big names. And you have to do that. I think the, I'll give credit to, to, to the Rams. They knew that they had to win and they have to win now. And um, no knock on the Raiders. But man, they've been gone for 30 years that, and, and, and they haven't won a playoff game in tw 20 years. So when you talk about Los Angeles, they like a winner and they like a team that's in Los Angeles. They like a team that's in the community. Nick, thank you so much. You're the best. Looking forward to talking to you next week. That's all the time we have for today. Let's do it again tomorrow. Until then, this is Arash Markazi saying stay safe. The Arash Markazi Show on the Mightier 1090 ESPN Radio. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.